This is Entheogen, three human beings discussing generating the divine within while still being human beings. I'm Joe. I'm Brad. And I'm Kevin. This is episode number five, recorded on January 19th, 2015. Today we're discussing the tangible benefits of psychedelic use, and we'd like to open with a bit from one of our favorite comedians, Bill Hicks. How about a positive LSD story? Wouldn't that be newsworthy just once to base your decision on information rather than scare tactics and superstitions and lies? I think it would be newsworthy. Today, a young man on acid realized that all matter is merely energy condensed to a slow vibration, that we are all one consciousness experiencing itself subjectively. There is no such thing as death. Life is only a dream, and we're the imagination of ourselves. Here's Tom with the weather. The late so great Bill Hicks. Gotta the love late that great guy. Bill Hicks, and oh, it deserves a moment of silence afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Every time I hear that, it makes me smile. I love how the positive story is a young man simply realizing something while on LSD. He didn't actually do anything. <laughs> he just kind of <laughs> had a profound realization. That's good enough. You know, that's which, a positive which actually, benefit. On the, on the theme that uh, we're talking about today, uh, I, I mean, apart from individual contributions from, from people, uh, the kind of common thread or theme that uh, all of those people who, who profess having done something because of uh, LSD or another substance, uh, that's, that's really what they get at all the time, basically. It's not about that one thing they did. It's about a state of mind that it created on several occasions or you know, every time they did it that, uh, that kind of get, get provided like the, the cauldron for that, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's kind of a substrate. You know, it's like the, the, the LSD kind of tunes the brain in a certain way to, um, to kind of like, you know, pull these different pieces together and, and uh, synthesize, you know, some new kind of, uh, you know, I don't know, breakthrough or some new understanding about something. And uh, yeah, it's like the overall use. And so, sometimes I wonder, you know, is it, uh, is it LSD specifically uh, or, or other kind of entheogens or psychedelics that, you know, get, makes your mind um, uh, more, you know, um, sort of more inclined to, to have these realizations? Or is it just that, the people who have that type of mind, you know, go, go toward these substances, uh, naturally kind of gravitate toward them. And they've already, they already maybe have the type of mind that would, you know, that would have these realizations and, and lead to these. Yeah. I think, well, the, I think while well, the latter is true, I think it's more often the former, you know, I think it, there's definitely something to be said for the experience itself, uh, regardless of who the person is and how their kind of brain works. Like I've, you know, I think there's, it's it's more so that the experience itself. My, this is my opinion. Um, can can sort of unlock something or you know sh- shake someone's snow globe to use a reference from. I, a, that's exactly for, what I was thinking. <laughs> you read my, read my snow globe, man. <laughs> but I, I mean, I think it's a good point that the type of person who might have the open mind or might have the creative inclination is might you know might do it. But I do absolutely think that that's it's more to do with. You know, and we'll get into it more when we talk about some of the some of the people that we've done some some research on, and the way that they talk about it, it seems that you know the experiences themselves really unlock something for them. Yeah, it's really true. They all seem to be inclined to talk about it and, and credit LSD with you know with helping them have these insights and breakthroughs and, and things. Yeah, or just general uh, changes in perspective, right? 
And I think we, we also tend to always attribute um, LSD use or other psychedelic use uh, and its possible benefits to the artistic community. But I think there's, uh, in, you know, in preparing our show for today, uh, one of the things that really hit me was that uh, I think we do that a lot because the artistic community is open and willing to talk about that. And uh, in in our research for the show today, it's I mean it's obvious that all throughout the scientific world and, and particularly in the certain certain fields, it seems rampant. But yet the stakes are different, and people are much less likely to talk about it, and much more worried about their reputation, uh, you know, their professional reputation if something uh, comes out. So it's uh, the, the community's there. The people are, are are doing these things, and they are contributing positively. They're just not as willing to talk about it. That's a really good point. It's you know, art is much less about the process. You know, science is more about the process. It's more about like, you know, writing. I don't know how science works, but you, I guess you write a hypothesis and then you try to go get funding, and you know, you need to like, take some acid, man. You understand? <laughs> I don't do science per se, but um, I think but, some artists would disagree with you too. I think a lot of artists are really process focused. Well, what do I mean, you know? They, well, you don't they, know anything, Joe. Come on. <laughs> well, they they may be. I mean, individual artists, you know, may certainly be focused on their own process, but I think that it's it's much um, more uh, sort of understood that you know whatever the end result is is what is is the goal with with art. You know, it's like the the final end result, the the final product is you know it's kind of speaks for itself. Um, and if somebody's buying a painting, they're not going to like not purchase it because it was created right. under the influence or something. You know, it won't gonna, be invalid. Yeah. It won't be you know people won't have an opinion about it. Like wow. Well. I think it's invalid if you if you weren't on some kind of substance when you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm imagining like a, a disappointed patron of like Alex Gray being like, "Wait, what? What? what he, this guy does drug? No way! I'm not buying this painting anymore." <laughs> right. <laughs> or the other side of the coin. So it was like, "Wait, you were sober when you painted this? This is bullshit." <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. well, I think the first uh, person we wanted to talk about. Um, because we we wanted to, to do this in uh, I guess in the in the most academic way possible, and one of the stories that gets thrown out all the time is that uh, is the, the the famous Crick story about the inventor of the the double helix and the great DNA researcher having been uh, tri- having been on or under the effects of LSD when he discovered. Uh, the double helix and through all the if you really dig into the research it's just a lot of speculation the only thing that is known is that he did uh, use LSD uh, that's something that came out I, I guess more after his death but there is absolutely nothing proven about the, him being under the effects of LSD while discovering uh, the double helix but maybe we can you know lightly attribute it to uh, that state we mentioned before of shaking up the snow globe and, and maybe it just has nothing to do with it at all yeah, true. Well, one of the the pages I found about Francis Crick, there's a great picture of him. Then he just looks wasted. <laughs> the caption of the, the caption of the photo is like, "This guy does drugs? No way." <laughs> it's probably not too hard to find that photo of Francis Crick. He looks kind of like a, a party guy. We should include that in the show notes on the website. Yeah, that's a great idea. Just that photo. <laughs> well, it looks, I mean, it, it's looking pretty cricked. <laughs> guy's totally cricked out. Yeah, I mean, a, a more sort of, uh, I guess, um, well well known and you know admitted, uh, you know, uh, benefactor of LSD was was Kerry Mullis, uh, also related to DNA. Fascinatingly enough, um, he Kerry Mullis is the guy who invented this thing called PCR. I think it's called polymerase chain reaction 
which is basically a technique for amplifying some sample of DNA that you have, which makes it uh, much, much easier to then like sequence it. Uh, so this was a really huge breakthrough in the sequencing of the human genome. And various people have said, you know, it, it's, it would have taken 10 times as long to sequence the, the human genome without this invention of PCR, which Kerry Mullis fully credits LSD. I mean, well, he, all but, uh, you know, gives it full credit. He says he found LSD to be a mind-opening experience. It was certainly much more important than any courses I ever took. And then he, he, he asked himself the question, what if I had <laughs> Don't not... Don't let the kids know about that. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> what if I had not taken LSD ever? Would I have still invented PCR? I don't know. I doubt it. I seriously doubt it. So, I mean, he, that's, a, that's kind of the 180 from, from Francis Crick. And certainly, you know, in this uh, day, it's much easier to ad- admit this as a scientist. Um, but still not that common, really. So it's good to have yeah. guys like yeah. him coming out and kind of saying that, that was openly. An, and he was a Nobel Prize winner on uh, chemistry in 1993. So it's just in the past couple decades that, and maybe that is a sign of the times changing um, in terms of, of the scientific community or the academic community. Do you think so? Do you think so? It seems more to me like the someone, the sign of someone who's at the you know latter stages of his career. He already has the clout and the status, and he can kind of you know speak freely and get away with it because he has a Nobel yeah, Prize. Could, what are you, you going to say? Be, <laughs> <laughs> you could be right. You're probably right in this instance, and maybe it's just my optimism thinking that oh, we're all we're all becoming enlightened. We can talk about it now. You know, you know, what's killing me about this uh, while you were uh, reading that quote, Joe. Is I was like, there, there, there's some part of like my low inner self-esteem that makes me think that uh you know this guy talks about this great revelation he had in uh in in, you know in sequencing dna and i'm just like you know maybe that's what happens if you're just a lot smarter than i am and you take lsd you know i mean like maybe i am seeing that shit and i just really don't even know what it is you know i'm just like every time like oh did you see that man i'm looking at like sequences of dna i have no idea well, he was a guy who who talked, you know, speaking of shaking the snow globe, I mean, that's kind of exactly what he was talking about is, is basically like pulling in, you know, bits of knowledge from all different places and th- thinking about things in a new way. And, and he describes how, having, you know, th- like basically thought of this procedure uh, or this kind of, uh, you know, this uh, technique, I guess, um, as a solution to a problem he didn't quite know how to articulate, to articulate yet. So he, you know, he kind of just... This thing kind of just grew in, in his seat of his mind. Was he still you know? messed up at that point? And uh, right. that <laughs> something with his problem articulating the problem? Or? Could be. Could be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing too. Is like, what, how I does can this relate work? to that? I can relate to that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how does how does this work into into the into the process? I mean, you know, you you probably um, you know it can be really difficult to actually like function uh, at a normal level. Mm-hmm. You know, it, like actually writing things down or. Uh, you know, working on working with tools like even you know artists physically painting or um, you know scientists. I don't know, like you know typing on a computer or something like that. Um, but so maybe it's yeah. maybe it's more useful for just profound you know for for the sort of like loose thinking, just letting your mind wander kind of stuff. Also, it seems to be that like post trip phase where everybody gets very productive, right? It's like when you kind of pass through the the strong part where you've had like the experience, and then you have that kind of like glow period where you're still able to recall uh, those experiences but now you're much more uh, able with your mind and your hands and a little bit more uh, together yeah and also again just like if you take it you know over time and maybe you just slowly change your mind in some way and and you know you, you maybe these people are crediting 
their LSD use for, you know, having helped with these, you know, uh, inventions and things, but maybe it wasn't necessarily done under the, under the influence, under the exact influence of it. Yeah. I get that impression from reading about, um, Steve Jobs, probably the most well-known, uh, of all the people we'll talk about today, the most well-known, most household name, um, Steve Jobs of Apple, uh, in his in his biography and in, and in other interviews, he talked about his use uh, with LSD. And in what you were just saying, Joe, it, it, there's a quote from him here um, that says, "Taking LSD was a profound experience, one of the most important things in my life. LSD shows you that there's another side to the coin, and you can't remember it when it wears off, but you know it. Uh, it reinforced my sense of what was important: creating great things instead of making money." putting things back into the stream of history and of human consciousness as much as I could. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's great to have people, you know, people who've had that much influence and people who, again, like you say, are, are a household name, you know, really like being in the camp of LSD. We need, we need people like that <laughs> on our side. Also that, that idea about, um, it's like a lack of, uh, self-interest and, and ego that's uh, that's driving you. It's more like you're fascinated by the discovery and everything else, but with this uh, kind of inner enthusiasm about being able to throw something back into, as he said, the, the how did you say it? The stream of the stream of history and of human consciousness. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's it's just like in one of our episodes we talked about uh, kind of this like innate set of values, and that's I mean that speaks so highly to that. It's just it's you know getting to this great place and it's not about you <laughs> you know it's about whatever you're thinking about we just kind of giving that right back or put putting that back into the uh collective uh consciousness i'm looking for this other steve jobs quote about uh you know he talks about having these kinds of realizations um the the famous one is is um the you know here's to the crazy ones the misfits the rebels the troublemakers here's to the crazy ones the misfits the rebels the troublemakers, the round pegs in the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules, and they have no respect for the status quo. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify or vilify them. About the only thing you can't do is ignore them, because they change things. They push the human race forward. While some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius. Because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. Yeah, how would you guys, I mean, if you had to, you know, talk about your own personal, you know, tangible contributions to your life, I mean, if you... Apart from all of the the abstract things we mentioned, and just just the feeling and the connection, and what would you say were tangible things like things you do now that you would wouldn't have done or probably wouldn't have done if you hadn't had these experiences? You know, I thought about that a lot coming into this, um, and <laughs> just sort of the for me with LSD, it was a lot about the connections, and you just kind of said besides all that, <laughs> which I think there's a lot to that. And when I was thinking about, all right, what can I put my finger on and articulate and for me that like it, with LSD it has it doesn't come as uh, to mind as much for me as my experiences drinking ayahuasca like 
that's only just been over the past few years that that I've done that. But uh, you, you know, it's different substance, kind of a similar experience. And with 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 ayahuasca, I've had very um, tangible differences in the way that I communicate. You know, the way that I communicate with myself, uh, the way that I communicate with my family. Um, and I and I've had the opportunity to you know, make better decisions, um, about the way, you know, when I'm feeling a certain way about something and lacking the fear of sharing that. Um, and it's, it's, you know, the con- maybe it had something to do with the context that I took it, you know, that it was always in this sort of ceremonial context. And you were saying before, um, Kevin about like how out after the, after the experience and it kind of wears off, then you have the opportunity to, you know, with LSD, the glow wears off, and then you have these realizations. One of the things before I ever drank ayahuasca, one of the, the, the one of the things I heard a lot about it, um, kind of a, kind of a bit of a platitude, it sounds like, but they, I heard a lot of people say like the real work comes after the ceremony, and so in the ceremonies themselves, they can they can they have a huge range of of experiences. Some of them can can be kind of scary. Some of them can be rough. You know, you, there's the whole purging aspect to it that's really difficult for some people. Um, and then in my experiences, they've been really positive where I didn't, I didn't throw up once the whole time and it was just incredible, like elation the whole time. Uh, but, but definitely that, that made sense to me. It's like, all right, I've had an opportunity to see some things about myself, to learn some things about myself, to be exposed to these things that, um, and, and now, you know, in my sober life and mind, I can, I can decide to, to behave differently. I can recognize when I feel a certain way and, and choose to communicate how I feel instead of, you know, previously feeling like, uh, I don't know, I didn't have the confidence to, to communicate it or I'm not, I'm not sure. I know I'm not being real articulate in what the difference is, but, um, for me, it's like the, the most tangible life changes that, that I've had from entheogens or psychedelic experiences have, have probably been with, with, uh, with ayahuasca. Yeah, it's so hard to pinpoint this because it's it, it's like just talking about kind of how how you know how how you've matured you know as a person, and it's it's kind of hard to say like it's hard to se- separate those things. They kind of uh, they they have kind of a complementary relationship, right? Like your 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 own attitude towards like life and and maturing, and the fact that it's aided by the the, the psychedelic. You're right. I mean, like. It, one of the most positive experiences I've had with LSD was my second year at Burning Man, you know, when, when there was that large group of us and, and like after my first year at Burning Man, um, you know, which Kevin, I can credit you to introducing me to and, uh, forever be grateful for, like, I was so blown away my first year with how much was given to me and the idea of gifting and the idea of giving a gift and sharing an experience. And there was so much given to me that year. I had, I was totally blown away. And between my first and second year, my friends, you know, had come across some pretty high quality LSD and I was thrilled to be able to buy enough of it that I could come back my second year and and offer anybody, you know, within our camp who wanted to, you know, as a gift, you know, like to have this experience and for us to have it together. And, man, it was one of the most fun nights of my life, and it was like the yeah, yeah. It, it was such a great gift to be able to give this group of people, and and it means you know so much to me still that it kind of lives on as sort of a camp tradition. It's something that we still try to do, um, but that was man, that, I, that, that's that was a you are night. you are the founding father of Acid Monday. <laughs> 
that's an unreal experience. It, it, it really is something special to, to you kind of reach a critical mass of, uh, of people, you know, uh, cohorts on, on that kind of journey. And, uh, it, I think ev- everyone is sort of elevated, you know, it's like being part of a, of, of a really interesting tribe of, of people for, for a night. It's pretty cool. And the best part was no one said no. Everyone said yes, including uh, one of our campmates' aunt, who was at the time 67 years old, had never done drugs before in her life, and was like, no, sure, wow. let's we do would, it. We would have been the worst <laughs> class ever in the D.A.R.E. program. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just we would have no. been a rare D.A.R.E. success story. <laughs> So the, the the quote I was trying to think of is um, like if pointing to like a fundamental sort of uh, like personality trait that I feel like I kind of owe you know LSD to some extent. Um, it, it goes back to this uh, interview with Patrick Lundborg that we uh, talked about a few shows back, and the quote the relevant quote is he says people who take psychedelic drugs enough times tend to become more relaxed, more open to new experiences, more accepting of faults in the world or in themselves, and more prepared to live in situations where the boundaries and rules are unclear or conflicting. Mm -hmm. One of the classic signs of psychedelization is that one has no problems handling ambivalence or ambiguity, which the modern world is full of. This is, of course, because the psychedelic trip rips apart false dichotomies and dualisms like they were wrapping paper, presenting you instead with an inner space world where everything is three different things at once and everything is in a flux. And I think, Brad, you might have read this part of the quote yeah, uh, yeah. on the last show. Um, Spend enough time in inner space and the joy, the magic that goes with it, and everything that used to be rigid and uptight about you will fade away and be replaced by a person who is both more mature and in a paradoxical way more childlike. That, so, that's, a, that's an unbelievable quote. because I, I mean, I, I, th- I can't agree with that more. And I just uh, – but like I said before, it's like how do you separate – your own personal maturity, because that's something, I mean, I see myself like 10 years ago, but just before all of, I started with all of this, and it's just like as such a victim of the moment and of a rigidity of thought and feeling and everything else, and I compare it to now where it's like, it's hard to, on a daily basis, like at, at work, I mean, like no matter how stressful the situation or whatever's going on, I'm always like in a good mood, and it's like, I just take take things like really well in stride, and that's not something, I was not raised that way, it was definitely not a product of my household. <laughs> and uh, Is that kind of an answer to your own question, would you say, Kev? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I guess it is. I, I, it's funny. I, I, really, I hadn't thought about that like overall global change when I was thinking about the show. I mean, like, I was thinking about pinpointing like several, uh, like, like we said, tangible experiences. Yeah. Well, like none of us have thing. won the Nobel Prize yet, so we don't have that to attribute <laughs> to this. <laughs> Give us time. We're only on episode five. <laughs> That's yeah. right. <laughs> Sorry, Kevin. I uh, no, you know, it's funny. You were, you mentioned the whole group uh, trip at Burning Man, and uh, this year when we did that the the second time, um, I had this moment where uh, I had like a really really deep moment of reflection, and I was thinking that uh, I had this the, the, I don't know this the, throughout my entire childhood into uh, high school, forget about it, and even into college, I had this thing of of like this deep fear. Or not deep fear, or deep insecurity about dancing. I hated being in places where there was like music on and everyone was going to dance. I'd be like, "Oh fuck," you know. <laughs> I hated it, man. And it's funny because it's not like, yeah, I know it sounds ridiculous if you know me now. It sounds yes. ridiculous. And, and <laughs> I also hated girls and chocolate. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, uh, I had this this unbelievable experience like i mean i was always like that i would avoid all those dances like i would feel like just horrible in any situation that involved dancing until i had 
my first ever experience with uh, MDMA in, here in Spain. And I, I was I was sitting down at the club I was at because I did not want to be anywhere near the dance floor. <laughs> and uh, when it, it it came on me, I don't know, you know, I just I took a pill. I didn't know what the dose was or anything, but it was super powerful. And about ten minutes after I started feeling it was the first time in my life I ever like the music like got inside of me, and I there was no way in the world that I couldn't dance. Like it was like a at a one hundred and eighty degree like extreme reversal, and I just felt it, and I had like the most fun night of my life, and uh, and from that one experience, like it just it just just changed me forever, and it's like I you know now it's like I can't wait for there to be music on, I can't wait to dance, and it reminded me that that night when I was sitting there at Burning Man, I had been talking to somebody about this. Um, there's this thing going around the internet about sh- the shamans' questions, like if you went to a shaman and you were ill. Or you weren't feeling well, and the shaman would ask you these questions. And one of the questions was, "Was when was the last time you danced?" Hmm. And I like like after discovering like the ecstasy, the joy of dancing, like that type of uh, self expression, and just kind of the trance and the ecstasy of it all. I just uh, I just felt so grateful, you know. And I was sitting there watching everybody, and I'm like, if I had been in this situation like before that experience. I could not have had fun, and it was that Friday night we had together. That was the I think that was the most fun night I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> that was a good one, Joe. Hot seat time. Anything come to mind for you in terms of personal life, uh, life uh, experiences or contributions to your life? Hmm. I don't know. Um, nothing. Nothing really comes to mind. I mean, it, but I, but it's like I, I all of it. You know, it's like. I think uh, being a psychedelicist is uh, <laughs> something, you know, I, I really like, uh, it's like a major part of my, like, personality, you know, like, it's just a, it's a major part of my life experience. Um, it's, I don't know, it's a credit everything with, with that. I will vouch for you on that. <laughs> As the person who introduced me to all of these things, I will, uh, I will vouch for that. Especially because <laughs> one of the funny things about Joe is that when we're, gonna take anything or whatever it's like uh he, he always claims he's he's been feeling it for hours before we took it hmm. right you know, it's like it's like we take something and everyone's like you feel it and he's like man i was feeling it yesterday man <laughs> <laughs> i do yeah. love the adrenaline the the sort of anticipation and the you know sort of visiting the headspace and emotional space you're at last time <laughs> you're doing it that it's like it feels that way to me sometimes but I was feeling since yesterday. I, I can usually tell well in advance when I'm when I'm going to uh, have have one of these uh, you know psychedelic experiences. You know, even even before the suggestion is made, I'm, I'm usually <laughs> maybe, getting maybe, alerts. Maybe maybe you were the guy uh, Bill Hicks was talking about when he was like, you know, and here's Tom with the weather, man. Maybe you were like, <laughs> you, could, you could predict like the psychedelic weather, man. <laughs> Yeah, come to think of it, um, I guess Cloud I would. Trippy. <laughs> I would. I would change my answer, and I would just say, I, I, I. Uh, I can credit LSD with Kevin. That's that's we, we have we have LSD to thank for him. Dude, thank you, thank you, LSD. Are you questioning whether or not I'm real? <laughs> Is this a Spiro situation? Uh, well, there, we I think we had a couple other um, people we wanted to talk about um, mention in the show, and the music thing, Kevin, when you're telling that story. Reminded me about uh, Douglas Engelbart, um, who's apparently a big uh, fan of the Grateful Dead. And there's a quote of his, well, n- not a quote, but talking about him 
uh, in this thing that I that I found. It said it's no secret that Engelbart used LSD and other psychedelic drugs for inspiration and solving tough problems while tripping to drum solos by the Grateful Dead. Uh, and this this quote of his. Um, oh, sorry. I should say for context who this guy is and what he did. Um, he he was a big technologist and he's credited with the invention of the mouse. So the interface of using the mouse with the computer is, is credited to Douglas Engelbart. Um, and I think, Joe, you'd mentioned he, he was also involved in another kind of computer as a new technology. Um, he was sort of on the forefront with that, right? Yeah, for, for background in this, um, just Google or uh, you know, search uh, Douglas Engelbart, the mother of all demos. And this is like the, the name that you know, people refer to this demonstration he gave in 1968. And he, he demoed like all kinds of things like that we take for granted today, like, you know, windows and links and like using a mouse and copy and paste, like word processing, you know, video conferencing. I mean, like video conferencing in 1968. Wow. I mean, it's like, it's just unbelievable. And the, so th this guy was, you know, the guy who's like giving this demo in 1968 and they call it the mother of all demos because every single like, you know, computer demonstration and or keynote, you know, presentation or whatever, um, you know, cause just basically fall, you know, comes, comes out of this. Um, mm. and yeah, this, this dude was into LSD and the Grateful Dead. So, yeah, this, so this quote of his, um, says, it must be changing something about the internal communication in my brain. Whenever my inner process, whatever my inner process is that lets me solve problems, it works differently or maybe different parts of my brain are used. When I'm on LSD and hearing something that's pure rhythm, it takes me to another world and into another brain state where I've stopped thinking and started knowing. There's there's a lot of uh, overlap between uh, you know uh, just information technology and psychedelics. Um, and there's a great book, um, and I forget who uh, who wrote it, but it's called uh, What the Dormouse Said. And it's, you know, features interviews with all these, these characters from like the, you know, 60s and 70s, like developing computers, uh, the, you know, especially the development of the personal computer industry um, and how intrinsic like LSD in particular was to, to these people and, and uh, how it really influenced the sort of like direction that that industry took. And uh, the other one you mentioned was um, the guy who invented the, I, well, I don't know, invented, but he developed, I guess, the router, like how, how a router works. Mm, yeah, Kevin Herbert. Mm. Yeah, I, yeah, totally. In that, in the sphere, like the first two people we mentioned were sort of in this like overlapping world of uh, of biology and you know DNA and that sort of thing. And then the other three guys we mentioned are all in this world of computers. And you know, to your point, Joe. But yeah, so Kevin Herbert, uh, he was a former Cisco Systems programmer, um, and he was uh, he developed the software that runs millions of routers worldwide. So, you know, Cisco is very prevalent um, in terms of the production. So he was like the software guy behind the hardware. Um, and, you know, he does, doesn't, shy, doesn't shy from it, talks about his experience with LSD. Um, and he's saying, this is another quote of his, or a quote of his, psychedelics are especially helpful with the development of new computer technologies uh, because recent developments have shifted toward more open technology and an increased reliance upon software as opposed to reliance on machines and mechanisms. I think the fact that everything in the world has become more and more flexible and more programmable as a result of people taking LSD at early times in their life, like in high school or college, it changes one's vision of the kinds of technology that one can build 
it encourages a departure from the things being rigid and imposing. And those like uh, I'm kind of blown away when you read all these quotes because there's a there's just a a ton of uh, common ground in all of them. You know, I mean, it starts with even Hoffman's own Hoffman. I find to be the most eloquent speaker about anything, but specifically about uh, LSD. But it's just they they get they all get they all touch on the same topics. It's like it's not like every guy is just having a completely different experience. It's like they're all getting the same uh, tangible benefits from it. And this sort of like connection to better connection to themselves, greater expansion of the mind, and just more acceptance of uh, or acceptance and appreciation, I guess, for uh, for the, the miracle that is everything around us. You know. Yeah. yeah. That last that line last encourages it to depart. Whoa, heavy whoa, echo heavy there. Echo. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but it's tripping me out. That was just a flashback, man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the last part of his quote that says it encourages a departure from things being rigid and imposing. It sounds a lot like the quote that Joe was referencing from before where, um, y- you know, it's it, it, it's it's eye-opening, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it. I mean, I think these guys said it as good as it can be said. But I agree, there's there's heavy themes, you know, in, in, in what people, how they articulate the benefit, how it's benefited their lives and their, their uh, way of seeing themselves and their lives or what did you say joe in the beginning like the bill hicks quote it wasn't that uh the news story that was that this guy had something or did something it was just a news story about yeah. a revelation yeah it's like today a young man on acid realized that all matter is merely energy <laughs> condensed it's like all he did was realize something and that's newsworthy you know and it's just like that's one of the main benefits like you can you can take lsd and you can realize something that maybe just to you is really profound or maybe in some cases like the people we've been talking about has a really profound, you know, repercussions on, on the world at large. Um, but, uh, it, what you, the quote you were reading was, it just reminded me of, of the matrix, um, you know, taking the red pill and kind of, you know, staying in wonderland and going down the rabbit hole and all that kind of thing, because it's, it's about, it's like in the matrix, the, the thing was like, you know, Neo had to believe that it was possible to like, you know, learn this stuff and to, to like sort of bend reality to his will. And that's what some of these quotes are getting at is that it's like you take LSD, you know, enough times or in a really profound way. And, and you begin to realize that, um, that, you know, it, the, the world to some extent is more malleable than we may have thought. And, you know, and you and, start to see all the genetic codes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think like what, what's really cool about that is like you know the, I mean, everything comes back full circle, but it's like the show we did about uh, whether the psychedelic experience was real or not, and we touched on uh, traditions in Eastern religion and how they're you know they have this this common ground too. It seems like what these guys get out of it too. It's like you, if you take out their kind of abstract and flowery language about certain things, when they talk about like nuts and bolts, like what is what what happens to you. It's they just they're all they all agree and I and I'm reading it and I know exactly what they're talking about I know you know I've had that feeling the, I just you know dancing doesn't get you a Nobel Prize 
Sadly. Still trying. Well, the, yeah, <laughs> I think I, I think it is really interesting that that all these these people who've you know made these contributions, um, the, the only sort of thing that ties them all together in in at least you know in this in our minds is uh, is LSD is the fact that they credit LSD with with having had some influence in, in their life sure. and in in helping them you know have these experiences and these understandings and realizations and making these inventions and things like that. Um, and we're learning about LSD through just reports from like, you know, just end users, you know, people who are just kind of like taking the drug and like, hmm, that's interesting. This is what happens. And this, these are their thoughts on it. Um, but it just reminds me just how important it is to have some scientists actually study the, the, the thing itself, study the experience, sure. study the effects of it. Because I think, you know, that's, I mean, just again, to go back to another prior episode, episode number two, um, about this sort of recent, um, you know, renaissance of research around this stuff, um, it was suppressed for like 40 years. And so we basically have a complete, you know, lack of, of uh, information and knowledge uh, gained over 40 years. And it's only just beginning to be, to be studied again. And I think, you know, more and more tangible benefits will fall out of that. And as we learn more and more about how it works, what are the, the ways to ensure we get the best effect? Um, you know, because I think it really is a force multiplier. I mean, you, you know, mm. you give it to the people that are like already kind of prone yeah. toward like, you know, really influencing the world. Greatness. And yeah, great. Through, through their dancing. Through their dancing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Through dancing and, and other other things. Oh, other things too. Okay. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Good point. <laughs> Not just dancing. <laughs> Damn it. You have to go back to school. <laughs> Um, you know, it's funny. I mean, it's, it's not, not, not off topic, but it's playing, playing down a little bit, but it's like, uh, I just feel like in the last few weeks with, uh, kind of all of the, I don't know, just all of the kind of worldwide, like violence and negativity there's been and everything. Uh, there's like a, a tendency to believe that we're living in such a, a dark time and a negative time. And, uh, part of the, I mean, I think I'm optimistic anyway. And I, that, that stuff, I don't, I don't really think anything's worse. I think it's the same as it always been and probably a lot less worse than it's ever been. It just gets to us a lot faster. And and wherever it happens, it's on in our doorstep, it's in our in on our computer in the morning. But I one of the reasons I think to be optimistic is is all of all of this that's happening. It's like you 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 look at the these possibilities for the first time they're they're being supported. There's a there's a movement of sorts and it's not like a fringe like crazy movement that's you know completely uh, off the hinges. It's like a very controlled academic movement, and then and then on top of that, the laws the laws uh, luckily are changing. You know, it's and Joe Joe and I would like saw an, an interview with George Carlin of, of back a few years ago, uh, talking about marijuana, and it was a great great interview. It was just, just super candid, and he talked about how he used it to write, like he would smoke before he wrote. And he would just write for, you know, hours. And then the next day he would edit, edit, you know, sober. He would edit his pages. And he talked, his great quote about uh, marijuana is that it was a value-changing drug, which I think we could say with all entheogens, right? And, uh, but that, it, it was, um, he called it a value-changing drug, but a, but a self-limiting drug. So that's why he chose to balance his writing that way. But you think about something like the the changes that are happening with uh, the laws, it gives a great possibility for for I don't know a, a raising of consciousness, right? Like a higher, uh, at least at least giving the possibility to more people to have that experience. Sure, it's 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 adding that level of legitimacy to it. I mean, because you know, keep in mind, basically almost everyone, if not every single one of the people we've mentioned, 
were taking LSD to great effect, as they, as they in their own words say, but completely illegally, you know? Yeah. I mean, they were breaking the law to, to, to have these experiences in order to like then change the world. Hmm. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. That's, that's exactly what I mean. Thanks for listening to Entheogen, three human beings discussing generating the divine within while still being human beings. I'm Joe. This is Brad. And I'm Kevin. The world is like a ride at an amusement park. And when you choose to go on it, you think it's real because that's how powerful our minds are. And the ride goes up and down and round and round. It has thrills and chills and it's very brightly colored and it's very loud. And it's fun for a while. Some people have been on the ride for a long time and they begin to question, is this real or is this just a ride? And other people have remembered and they come back to us and they say, hey, don't worry, don't be afraid ever because this is just a ride. And we kill those people. (laughs) Shut him up. We have a lot invested in this ride. Shut him up. Look at my furrows of worry. Look at my big bank account and my family. This has to be real. It's just a ride. But we always kill those good guys who try and tell us that. You ever notice that? And let the demons run amok. But it doesn't matter because it's just a ride. And we can change it anytime we want. It's only a choice. No effort, no work, no job, no savings of money. A choice right now between fear and love. The eyes of fear want you to put bigger locks on your door, buy guns, close yourself off. The eyes of love instead see all of us as one. Here's what we can do to change the world right now to a better ride. Take all that money we spend on weapons and defense each year and instead spend it feeding, clothing, and educating the poor of the world, which it would many times over, not one human being excluded, and we can explore space together, both inner and outer, forever in peace. Thank you very much. You've been great. I hope you enjoyed it. London, you're fantastic. Thank you. Thank you very much.